Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Midnight Movie Confessionals. I am Scott Betson. I am here with a special guest host, my friend Moss Whalen. Hi, it's really good to be here. And uh, today we're going to talk about just classic films of the of the science fiction era. Well, the era of sci-fi that came around in the 60s and 70s. And we were going to talk about like just what our favorite movies were of the past, a, a retrospective of sorts. Like You had some ideas in mind, didn't you, Moss? Well, uh, actually, right now, the first thing that popped into my head was Barbarella, just for Barbarella. the sheer sheer weirdness of it. That is definitely a, a good weird one. I mean, another example for me for weirdness was uh, THX 1138 by George Lucas himself. Right. Yes, yeah. Um, I can remember seeing it, and just the, the... I think I saw it because Star Wars, mm-hmm. and I said, oh, there's another one. And then it's just this dystopic... Uh, it, it you know it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't have the heartwarming mm-hmm. uh, vibes that you know Star Wars has, and I remember the confusion after watching uh, THX. Yeah, and what's funny is that is actually what became his own audio lab, I guess THX. It was like out of that. Yeah, it came out of that just from the name itself, and there has been many pop culture references of the code one one three eight in various formats. I think. Um, what was it? The video game by Rockstar Games, Bully, I remember used it for one quick code. I think uh, when you're interrogating one of the nerds in the game, one of the factions, they're like saying, forget it, Jimmy, I'll never let you get through this gate without the password. And after a couple of hits by Jimmy to the character, they like, okay, okay, it's 1138. So that was a bit of an interesting little thing when I first saw that. Not to mention, knowing that it came out, as a, I guess, inside joke that many people may not have noticed. I mean, science fiction has kind of been something that many people have kind of explored through music, through movies, through a lot of things, and I think even literature, for example. And I think you were also mentioning that you were a writer by any chance. <laughs> yeah. And like this Same is kind way. of like, this is kind of why I kind of introduced you to the like brought you on along on the podcast because we're going to talk a little bit of the about the science fiction ideas and like a just retrospective on certain movies that have happened like what has happened between the 50s and 60s and 70s yeah, yeah. a little bit for science fiction and kind of talk a little bit about the music that could have come out from it as well as books that have also come out of it as well that's why oh, i kind sure. of thought yeah why not make a bit of a, a crossover sort of literature based podcast for today I'll, I'll i'll jump back uh to barbarella because that actually came out of uh a long i think it's long running uh french uh comic book so really? first yeah so first it was a comic book um, and I, I'm sort of looking at it as a, as a, I think I count it as literature. Yeah, but I would count comic books as literature as well. And I think, speaking of comic books, I think that was the same sort of thing with uh, Tank Girl. It became... Oh, right, yeah. It was, uh, I believe, done by Jamie Hewlett, who then turned it into a movie. Same sort of idea. I would say anything that's a comic book that has science fiction can kind of be literature-based. And I, I, I remember seeing... I could be wrong, but I remember seeing... I thought yeah, I saw yeah, Barbarella yeah. in a heavy metal magazine, and... It could have been it, in that, or it could have I, been Tank Girl. Have you ever seen those, the heavy metal? And there was, yeah. like, this anthology magazine, and it had 
a lot of uh, different comic books, but it was mature comic books. It wasn't, it wasn't like you know superhero comic books. Sort of like uh, Judge Dredd from two thousand AD comic books. Would you say? Uh even well, actually, that's pretty close. But definitely mature, like it would have yeah. actually actual nudity in it. Okay, so yeah. some, sort of like what you'd kind of find from a Frank Miller graphic novel, or even um, an Alan Moore graphic novel, possibly. Actually, yeah. Okay, yeah, more like that. And to uh, a lot of European things that you mm-hmm. say you might not see in North America. Very true. And I mean, even when it comes to that sort of thing, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Moss, but even though it's not from the 70s or anything during that time frame that I was thinking about for this retrospective like episode, I thought, you know what, let's make a quick little discussion about it. But I thought, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's the Argentine comic Cyber 6. Oh, yeah. It, wait, yeah. And wait it, a second. Wasn't that animated in Canada? Yeah. Oh, it was animated here in Canada, and it was how, like the creators of it actually did give their blessing. And I remember a little bit after James Cameron created Dark Angel, and the creators of like uh, Cyber Six were saying, "Hey, this looks very similar, very similar to how James Cameron had the same problem many years ago with Harlan Ellison oh, and the Outer Limits, Terminator. Yeah, yeah, for the demon with the That's glass right. hand and Soldier for his uh, nicely done images of the Terminator and." If I'm honest, I can kind of see the resemblance a little bit with Soldier, but not with Demon of the, of the Glass Hand, that he also said was true. And Soldier, I can kind of agree with a little bit, but it's not like the Twilight Zone or anything like that. Because that's where I could say if it was more of the Twilight Zone sort of idea, then Harlan Ellison could have said, hey, you're ripping my ideas off. It, it, it's kind of like music. I can remember taking a class and... Uh, the we actually had a lawyer come in mm-hmm. uh, as a as an instructor and uh, going through uh, copyright and really with, uh, his experience was music so he would play us one song and play us another and it was terrible for me because I actually have taken sound engineering and I was like going but it's so it, like it's yes it's similar yeah it's so different at the same time and um, that's actually very surprising because. When it comes to music and literature, sometimes they go hand in hand. Yeah. Even movies go hand in hand sometimes with movie, like with music as well, as well as literature. And the reason why I mention this in that sort of quick little segue is, I do believe his name was Isaac Asimov. His three, his three laws safe books, like I Robot, the oh, movie yeah. by, like that Will Smith was a part of. Alan Parsons Project in 1977 made an album called I Robot, but the problem was they couldn't use the comma. That was a part of the grammar in that whole title. That it was just I robot right, without right, the right. comma, which was to avoid the copyright. Because you just made me think of that just right there. Just a little slight change, and then it was yeah. okay to, to get through. Yeah, but that did kind of involve creationism and all these sort of things that you kind of think about when it comes to science fiction. Like you do have to kind of create your own little universe, and yep, mm-hmm. you, you can't. Uh, break your own canon sometimes people have done that I mean Disney kind of just did that recently with the Star Wars films and the expanded universe they basically said we're retconning all the expanded universe but at the same time I can agree and disagree with that because it does kind of ruin what we know as the expanded universe because there are a lot of characters that are introduced into that well isn't it that uh, and too I'm not an expert here but I do know that there's a large amount of literature there's a large amount of stories that uh, have been written and fans have are involved with. There's also the fan fiction. Yeah, the fan and fiction I can understand that that was retconned, but some of its own, like the actual canon, like yeah, yeah, of the yeah. novelization fan, like uh, like uh, canon. Like I mean, 
Mara Jade and all the other things that have gone on. Like, I can understand that being retconned. But some of the other things that have gone on, I feel like, at the same time, you can kind of say it's not really retconned, but it in its own little... Like, the expanded universe does not relate to the film universe right now that we're creating. Like, right, that right. could have... Instead of just saying it doesn't exist. Right. That would have been a little bit better, because then the expanded universe could still happen, but it'd be an alternate timeline sort of thing. Just like... Uh, a certain series that we're both familiar with, Doctor Who, that right, also right. does a lot of alternate history and does a lot of its own um, continuity errors and retcons at times. It, it, it is interesting. Now I'm sort of shifting yeah. gears into Doctor Who and, th- and thinking about it. Um, one, and two, just to pick your brain, sorry, this is my, yeah. own, my own projects on the side. Time, like say changing time in Doctor Who, have, have patience with us, just a second. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> have, it's okay. Okay. Uh, what about, say, casting back, looking at Doctor Who, changing time? Do you remember where, say, it was okay, say, in some episode somewhere to actually go back, change events, you know, say, and yeah, that the they've, future was changed and that was okay? Yeah, they've done that a couple of times. I think they did that with uh, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor just recently. Like, oh, yeah? They did that with a couple of episodes. I think they did that with... Uh, Demons of the Punjab, if I recall correctly, the one about because um, that was in the past. That was in the past, as well as the last witch hunter as well. That was also in the past. That's right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who like who it was. Uh, Yasmin's uh, family that they did for Demons of the Punjab. Right. And then also with the last witch hunter, they had people like Alan Cumming as uh, King James the Sixth, I think, of Scotland, soon to be the first of England. For sure. Yeah. But I was only thinking, like, in that sense, with, like, science fiction, it can sometimes cross over into other fictions it, as well. Like, it can kind of cross over into, like, Renaissance-era images, or even the Middle Ages as well. That's another thing that people have kind of toyed with a little bit. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there was a movie by Mike that was a, based on a book by Michael Crichton. Timeline. No. Really? Uh, you're not what, was the, what was the movie? The movie was, um... Basically, I guess the father, like one of, the, like it was an archaeology like archaeology professor as well as his students and his son, were uh, doing some stuff about thirteenth century. I think it was like fourteenth or fifteenth century France, or maybe maybe sixteenth century, and they were doing it about the Crusades and whatnot, a little bit of the Middle Ages stuff. But uh, basically, somehow the professor gets kidnapped, like not kidnapped, but like signs a way to be somehow transported back in time, right, to the to that time frame and his son as well as some of his students actually go back in time to rescue him from that area of France that they were at which was I think a it's, book by Michael Crichton it sounds familiar yeah it's kind of a weird sort of movie but it kind of makes me think it is science fiction but it also crosses into the medieval renaissance sort of new birth of science fiction as well it kind of does like a weird um, twist on how science fiction could be perceived because not everyone decides to go back in time to the back in the past so far back like i mean back to the future kind of did that a little bit right to right. try and like fix things in the past to make it so it worked in the future because they kind of did that as well but at the same time it's a weird sort of idea about it and i mean the reason why i mention it is because of the fact that one it's one of those stories that kind of likes to toy around with what could happen if you have someone that's stuck in the past and stays there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what would happen to them if we were to try and find them in the present day like there might be a clue that they somehow disappeared today 
are like found their obituary of like years past. This is just reminding me of uh, Millennium, which yes. was a book, then a movie, and, and also it, a TV series, I think, as oh, well. Because it? It, I remember there was one that was called Millennium, but it was connected to the X Files. I and think it, it was making use of airplane crashes. Yeah, the people from the future traveling back. Yeah, speaking of the past, in that sense, with plane crashes. There's actually a TV series out on, I think, History's channel right now, Project Blue Book. Oh. Oh, and yeah, it, yeah. I think I saw the opening of that, yeah. Really? I think and so. I, I, I hate to kind of cross back and forth on TV and literature and whatnot, but this is also kind of a part of what we're trying to do with this Midnight Movies confessional. And I'm thinking, like, I was going to do an exact movie, but I thought, you know what? Why not have, well, I'm, I have Moss here. Why don't we just talk about science fiction in general as a retrospective it's endless and it's an endless conversation but i thought you know what let's have it so we're um, having a bit of a nice conversation about what we could actually uh pick our brains on a little bit and just kind of say okay what could we talk about a little bit we're both science fiction uh uh fanatics connoisseurs and i thought why not talk about something that could help us a little bit and just kind of pick each other's brains for an hour or so more or less and i thought okay movies involving science fiction or even like anything entertainment based that's based on science fiction would be a good topic today and i thought instead of just one movie why not do that one one sort of literary kind of response as well is is a question of the purpose of of science fiction Mm -hmm. and that's something that has has come up for me is like say asking like say uh science fiction conventions why do they exist? Why are people celebrating? Why, are, why is there fandom? Uh, why is there so much interest? Uh, especially now. It's be- it has Very become true. mainstream. It has become a huge thing. And then, again, if you really do look at it as well, science fiction is kind of its own subgenre of nonfiction and fiction because it can technically sometimes be historically accurate or yeah. inaccurate at yeah. times as yeah. well. Like, I mean, I was just watching a movie the other day. I'm trying to remember the name of it. But the most inaccurate thing for me was... Um, oh, that's it. I was watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh. And even though that movie has some good accuracy to it, like the how Adolf Hitler was obsessed with the occult in the 1930s, there was one major flaw for me in that movie, and that was near the end with Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones character. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, <laughs> but this is going to be a bit of a spoiler thing. Uh, he's using a rocket propelled grenade. Okay. Which, if I'm correct, wasn't even existent of that time until the 1950s with the Russian army. They had RPG-2 missiles that were being developed. But the closest you could ever get would be the army equivalent of a bazooka. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Or a Panzerschreck. Okay. And since they don't have the Panzerschreck, because that wasn't made until 1941, if I recall correctly. Same with the bazooka. They weren't really made until... The Americans decided to fight back. That's, that's like that seems almost like a whole blog article unto it itself. Does. I, it I does. Love, I love that. Yeah. But it's only something that I kind of noticed just recently, and I'm like, that is the most historically inaccurate thing in that movie. So that would be an anachronism, right? That would yeah, be like that would be the, it, it just doesn't exist at that time. Yeah, like a lot of the things would not really exist. I mean, probably in the desert chase in Cairo that probably wouldn't really exist for some of it but I mean that's only the only times I would think that don't really exist would probably be the vehicles at the time maybe but again they are German military Mm. officers as well as 
German army in general. So technically, they could all be using Mercedes-Benz vehicles at that time, or even Volkswagen vehicles as well, but they don't really... If that's the only other inaccuracy on that, but that's a different story. If I want to do a, a discussion about the movies in general of Indiana Jones with you, Moss, yeah, that yeah. might be a little bit of a different... That'll be for a different time if we do decide to do something like that. We might just discuss historical inaccuracies in general. That might be something that we might do later, but and, right now, like, like that's just something I just thought about. And to, every, everybody has their thing. Everybody has their sort of specialty, their, yeah. their, their beef that they focused on and they obsess about. Um, it's interesting, say, for me, because like Blade Runner, uh, I watched that. I, in my mind, I went, I watched that a lot, but I added it up, and it was like, no, not really. It was like yeah. may, maybe 20 to 30 times. Which is still but, a lot. But I've met people that have watched it way more and obsessed mm-hmm. about it, and they... You know, they they built replicas of um, you know the uh, Decker, yeah, Harrison like, Ford's uh, pistol. Yeah, and, there's a lot of people that have done that. I mean, Adam Savage is one example of someone doing something like that. But then again, he is someone who is known to do that sort of uh, special effects sort of crafts. Well, how about that sort of thing? Like, say, do you? I I know that you're you know doing some cosplay. Yeah, is like say, like say what? What would you say is your sort of top obsession? Like not honestly specific cosplay, but just overall. Overall, when it comes, like I honestly, if I see a character that's being cosplayed well, I always kind of like, I don't critique the person doing it, but I always kind of wonder: did the person build it themselves for some of their items, or did they source it like myself? Because I have been right. known to source some things. The only thing I really did in some ways source, because you have seen me with it before, is my uh, David Tennant Sonic screwdriver that I got in a box set of Doctor oh, Who, yeah, so like, point, yeah. like. In Doctor Who collection on DVD, which was but the that's, that's fine. Yeah, I, it's just a bonus item but that came with it. That, that was in my brain too. Uh, I dropped by, uh, I think it was Fan Expo. Yeah, and I saw I saw a number of. It was interesting because there's this crossover from modeling, and there's some people who are doing it because they are modeling. Yeah, they and, can now cosplay as well, yeah. which is also, I think, honestly, a good idea if you're interested in doing that. If you want to add the effect of the character and you want if you're modeling for just these certain companies like Calvin Klein or whomever it could be and you want to get out of that sort of element you want to cosplay as a certain character for example you want to cosplay as Princess Leia or Lara Croft or whoever it may be more power to you if I'm truly honest I would, yeah, there is that exposure there there is indeed and some can do that I, I, I just found like say I, I came across uh, uh, a couple people doing uh uh, Captain Marvel. Yes, and, that's and awesome. two and two different versions of Captain Marvel. Yeah, so I've been many different versions of Captain Marvel, and that's the best thing about the Marvel universe a little bit because it does have some science fiction elements in there. And to sorry, just to, yeah, yeah. just to end it, it was that that they were like say they were in purchased outfits. Like yeah. say in my and to I could be wrong, but I just saw them and I was like going, I'm really sure that you've purchased this. Yeah, you know, and there's times where I, I think they may have, make this. Yeah, there have been times where I've noticed that as well, and I can definitely say I can understand if they bought it, but if they've sourced but it from okay. certain areas, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, I don't care if you bought it or if you made it yourself or if you bought certain items yeah. to help complete it. More power to you as long as you're enjoying what you're doing with it. That's it, how I see it, it. It's tough that sort of the, the critique that goes on in one's brain. Oh, it's for just sure. Sort of like you know, oh, you know, you didn't put much effort into that, right? Yeah, there are some that do put a lot of effort into it. Like, there's a lot of people that put a lot of effort into their uh, universe, especially when it comes to science fiction. Like, that's what I was also thinking about a little bit. 
And when it comes to the Marvel Universe, right. there is a lot of science fiction. Heck, there's a lot of science fiction with Superman and the DC Universe as well. They both have a lot of science fiction, if you think about it. Oh, okay. All right. Getting like, back to science yeah, fiction. Yeah. We didn't yeah. want to go off topic, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> but that's what happens. I'm heading, I'm heading towards the car crash of conversation. No, right? no, no, no. You're you, that guy. <laughs> you swerved it a little bit, Moss, but that's okay. All right. What I was going to mention about the Marvel comics and the DC comics is they both technically do have... A little bit of science fiction in both, in all of them, really. It's true, yeah. She yeah. like, for, for really think about the Avengers, do technically have a lot of like science fiction elements in there. Oh, Captain America is definitely one. Sure, sure. Captain Marvel is definitely one. I would kind of say, um, who else would I say? I wouldn't say Nick Fury, but I'd maybe say Silver Sa- Silver Sable is also one I'd maybe mention. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Who else would you like to mention? Celestials, Mom? Celestials. So, the, yes. so they're from the Eternals, I believe, originally. Yeah. And uh, Jack Kirby, I think it's a Jack Kirby creation. Yes, it might have been Kirby, or it may have been Steve Ditko's uh, creation. I don't giant, think. like seriously, giant robots. We're not sure if they're robots, if they're wearing spacesuits, or uh, the, they have the, these huge masks on. Yeah, the Sentinels of sorts as well. That's also that's yeah. also from X Men, which is also. I would also. Oh, I would yeah, also, yeah. There is a sort of yeah. Yeah, I would maybe say. The X-Men series is also a part of the science fiction umbrella with Robot, Marvel. sure, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Wolverine, for example, yeah. Deadpool, and a few others that Professor are there. X's, Professor X's... Uh, Professor Xavier, yeah, yeah, Cyclops as well. Storm, Jean, like, a lot of these ones, technically, t- telekinesis and all these other things that have in, are in these films are also, in a sense, a science fiction-based element. Uh, I ca- I'm remembering, too, I, th- I think it was X-Men pretty sure that they uh, this would be probably 1980s and that they went to space there was a I think it was like the she- Shair Empire and, I think I s- um, that might have been the comics it's like this yeah the alien alien war I can recommend it to say to yeah. check out uh, if you remember the title please let me know I will yeah, make yeah. a follow up with you Moss and oh, yeah. we can maybe discuss that some more and I mean the idea was maybe discuss this and also discuss an idea that we were because like, I was only thinking Let's make this as a, as a podcast discussion in a sense because we have met in a sense in a podcast like element before at uh, one of the pre- like uh, previous conventions that we were at VCon forty two. It was right. very comic booky. Yeah. It was very comic booky, but it was also like a podcast sort of thing that we were doing a little bit. And I yeah. kind of wish we recorded it because if we did, that would have been a great podcast discussion because there's a bunch of people there and we were talking about how to pack for a TARDIS. Oh yeah, trip. okay, that panel. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of, and I'm thinking. If that was still to happen, if VCon was still to happen, which sadly, spoiler alert, people, it is not this year, but mm-hmm. that's a different story. We'll talk, like, me and Moss will probably do some more podcasts like this in the future. It'll probably be oh, on yeah. his channel later, but we'll get to that later when we're gonna finish, when we wrap up, we'll talk about that later. But more or less, the idea is for this discussion, we were gonna talk about um, science fiction, just how it all is like a spider web of sorts. It all spreads out everywhere like it in movies and television everywhere else like, I mean it's, it's, it's interesting too cause, sorry just going yeah, yeah. going Good back way. to the going back to the beginning where there's a kind of hokey quality to it yeah there is and, and, and we like yeah we don't know we don't know exactly how to get to the moon but when we do get to the moon things start to get more technical and oh right mm-hmm. you know it that's has very this true. way and that way and, yeah that's what they kind of did in the 50s and like technically if we really want to go very very deeply back in time for science fiction we can kind of go back to the old days of Jules Verne or even H.G. Wells Uh realistically 
And I mean, we can also look at the radio plays that or like uh, Orson Welles kind of did for War of the Worlds for H.G. Wells, I believe it was. I just had this thought about uh, Ray Bradbury's uh, Martian Chronicles, mm-hmm. which I keep going back to, and he, it starts off. It, it has it has this old uh, idea, old image, imagining of Mars, the canals that there's water and there's air enough to breathe, the um, uh, rocket ships when they land, the astronauts get out and they can breathe. There's yeah. no problem, and that's not that weird, that's not I, real science. Yeah, that is very science fictiony. It which is. is definitely something that not everyone's okay with. There are some that do enjoy that sort of uh, hokey science fiction because you never really know what will. Uh, evolve from it and that's what I kind of like about science fiction sometimes because yeah, you can kind of get away with the escapism of like this and that Star Wars is definitely pure escapism in that sense but I mean the ones that are a little bit more accurate that's the ones that you really got to look out for sometimes because there are some shows or movies or whatever it could be that can kind of be accurate but at the same time also kind of be a little inaccurate at the same time as well like I mean one example because I'm thinking about going back to the X-Men here is uh Eric Lencher, Magneto, like how in the movies they kind of show him like being taken away to a prison camp, I think in Poland, I think it was, in Warsaw, but I don't think it was actually where he was being led to. He may have been being led to Auschwitz in Austria, but I don't really know exactly. Like they don't really explain it well, but they kind of make it look like it's still during that time of being occupied by Germany. Are you t- are you getting to sort of like the, the realism in The realism, fiction? yeah. Oh, okay. Some of the realism in science fiction with some of the inaccuracies that they can sometimes provide. Right, yeah. Because certain movies during that time do provide accuracy, sometimes they don't. One description I liked for uh, the, that, it really, it is speculative, mm-hmm. but one description I liked was uh, science fantasy. Uh, instead of science fiction, yeah, and it, that it it has it has both elements. Yeah, at uh, least it's not like one famous Albert Broccoli, Cubby Broccoli used to say, like did say we, he was making Moonraker, which I still can't believe he said this when they were making Moonraker. We're not are we making talking s- James Bond. Yes, we are kind of with this. <laughs> I but remember that we're yeah. not making science fiction. We're making science fact, and that's yes, what that's yeah. what you made me think of for yeah. a segue on that. Yeah, but yeah. that's beyond the like. Technically, some of its elements in that movie did actually have some accuracy a little bit. Yeah. yeah. With some of the ships being piggybacked in certain elements, like at times, for certain reasons or another. I mean, they've used that in other things like uh, Superman Returns, for example. Oh, yeah. Nice. Good reference there. Yeah. Like, and I mean, that was a good um, way to go about it. I, I remember getting curious about that. It popped up, and apparently there was a... If, if not a documentary, then somebody was critiquing it and, and, and saying how it was supposed to be originally. And I think it was supposed to be Brainiac and Mr. I can't remember the last name, Mixelplex. I think I know who you're talking about. Brainiac was meant to be a part of it, and I kind of wish they did do that. And, and instead, what they went is they, is they kept they just, it straight. Clean. They just recycled the same villain that we've kind of gotten before. Yeah. And that is the Smart generic. Guy, dumb, funny the, guy. The dumb bald Lex bloody Luther and I hate to say that in that sense I don't mind Lex Luthor but I'm just like why Lex Luthor we've had him before we've well, had Gene Hackman it's be safe. Lex it's safe that's why it's safe it's yes safe. but I feel like now if we look at all the stories that we've had with Superman yeah he's never really had anyone besides Zod and Luthor mm. even in Smallville it felt like it was 
she was just dealing with Lu- like Luther most of the time. And that's not. I, it would have been nice to see maybe the like the development of maybe Brainiac or one of the other villains happen. Because I mean, when we get him in Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice, he's actually meeting Bruce, like Clark Kent is meeting Bruce Banner, while Lex Luthor's basically plotting it all to bring back General Zod of Krypton. Right, right. And just finding a way to just say, okay, I basically brought you all here, and here's the real kicker: he still has hair. In this one, by the end of it all, when he's in prison, that's yeah. when he's starting to lose his hair. And I'm just like, we just had Lex Luthor how many times in the movies, and we've haven't had anyone original besides Zod or even like again Luthor. We've only had those two be recycled so many times. I'm just like, why? We could have someone else like Brainiac, like you mentioned, and that's what I like about Superman. He is science fiction. And people will say, no, he's not. Green Lantern is. Secondly, they both are. Except yeah. one is an alien from an exploded planet, which, again, is science fiction. And that's what I want to kind of discuss about. Like, that retrospectives be, about it, yeah. these time, like about these things that have happened in the past and what yeah. we can look back on in a positive manner. I, I quite like... I, I do like hard sci-fi where we get... Uh, say, like, if we could get Superman, but it's hard sci-fi... And we, we're getting into the actual science of Krypton blowing up. Yes, like, that would be how very... could that? How would that happen? How could that happen? Yeah, it, it, happen. it reminds me a little bit of how um, that red matter in the 2010 soft J.J. Abrams reboot of the Star Trek films kind of went off on its own little storyline and had like this red matter device be used to implode Vulcan. Yeah, and and like that in the like, science. Could we could we get into it? And, you we know, could, could, yeah. Could we, you know, sort of open it up and have actually invite some scientists in and say how would be a how good would thing. This like, I would love to get a panel of scientists, kind of not nitpicking all these movies from the past, but kind of like help us explain. Yeah. What could be the theological explanation? If Carl Sagan was still around, I would definitely have wanted to ask him about this. Even Gene Roddenberry, if he was still alive to this day, yeah, yeah, he yeah. probably would have been able to give more of an explanation. And too, it does happen. I, I remember uh, a, a movie recently. I think it was Christopher Nolan. It was in space. It involved a black hole. Interstellar, I think and, it might and, have been. And there was a, this big. It was a big. Uh, it was great because it was content that was selling the film, and it had to do with actually. What would it look like if you yeah. saw a black hole? What would that look like? Can you see a black hole? That's the thing. And they, they were actually going to specialists, uh, physicists, and, and getting back these answers. Yeah. And saying, yeah, okay, this is what it's going to look like. It kind of reminds me of how certain movies will use that sort of uh, element of science fiction and just kind of say, yeah, we'll go that route. But sometimes... Plot device, I'm just thinking. Yeah, you know, the, there's that, a lot that of things red, that are... Uh, yeah, the red matter is yeah. also a plot device. But you know what's also sometimes a plot device? Using space or any sort of science fiction in general, after a series has kind of gone stale, if you really think about it. I mean, if you look at the Friday the 13th films, mm-hmm. because we just had a Friday the 13th just recently. We? Or was it the, last was it week? Re- was it the reboot? No, I, I'm talking about in general, like actual, like, date Oh, I see, I see, yes, yeah. Like, we've actually seen that whole series, besides that reboot, which I don't like at all, they actually kind of did get a little <laughs> tiring a little bit and just decided to put Jason Voorhees into space. I was, that, that's where I thought you were going with this, yeah. And what's funny is they kind of teased Freddy versus Jason in the last film, before Jason X, 
right, right. which was in development hell. So New Line decided to, I guess, because they were tired of just doing the same old shtick, why don't we just put Jason into a cryogenic suspension, freeze him for 400 years, yeah, like 450 plus years or however many years it was, and decide, okay, yeah, yeah. it's in space and Earth is completely deserted. And I found the idea kind of interesting, but at the same time, I'm like, why did you go this route? Why did you freeze Jason? Like, you could have just had him... And cryonics. I yeah. think it's cryonics. I always used to think it was cryogenics, but I think it's it is cryonics, I think. Maybe. It might be better both, but I mean, they kind of use... Like, there's a but, lot of um, science fiction movies and but this shows. But this was perfect opportunity to bring in somebody to explain, you know, how... Like, where are we with that technology? Yeah. And, uh, like, I mean, I would yeah. love to see where we are with that sort of technology anyways with certain movies. Like, I mean... One movie I can think of from the 90s, because it's, it's kind of like, I, I want to go from like the 50s to the 90s to now, but we kind of went all over the place, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm sorry for that. But a 90s movie that I just remembered, Demolition Man. It oh. does use, <laughs> I hate to say what they used for the idea for it, but they used yeah, yeah, okay. glycerin instead of actual like liquid water when uh, Stallone is in the ice cube containment chamber that he's in. They were using glycerin that they were pouring on him, and, it, it, and it, 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 it's cute, but it's 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 not enough. Uh, but it's weird too because say, you know, I remember seeing you know Alien. You can you know you go yeah, back Alien, and you look at the, it, even the Abyss, and, and and there's this suspension of disbelief, and we go, we're in the future. It's possible. It is. Okay, yeah. let's do this. Yeah. Well, with that one in the '90s, I'm like, it's 1996. It was set three years into the future. I'm like, okay. How is this going to happen? Like, Are we talking Demolition Man? Yes, we're talking Demolition Man. It was set in, like, in 1996, and I'm guessing, okay, did the riots in L.A. really cause such a massive issue? Who, who else was that? Was that Wesley Snipes? Yes, that was Wesley, that was Wesley Snipes and Stallone, yes. Okay. As okay. well as Nigel Hawthorne, Sandra Bullock, and even Benjamin Bratt and Dennis Leary were in that movie, too. And the reason why I mentioned that one for the 90s sort of sci-fi is... This is when CGI wasn't being used that much. It was just starting to get used because of like Good movies point. like Jurassic Park, and that's where we can kind of get a little bit more crazy with sci- like with sci-fi, a little bit. Like even Jurassic Park, the second Terminator film, like these sort of movies started to get like started to push the boundaries for like like generating oh, yeah, yeah. imagery yeah. and animation in the yeah. sense of like you can go crazy with sci-fi here as long as you're not going too crazy. Like uh, some people, like John Travolta in Battlefield Earth. Oh God! But oh, wow. going on, you're, re- you're really dredging the. Uh, like the dredging some people <laughs> like that, but I mean, let's 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 bring well, this up from the bottom. Maybe. Yeah, but going back to Demolition Man, the thing is, it's because right now it's 2019 when this podcast is being recorded. But after it's like in 1986, it goes yeah. 36 years into the future to 2032, 13 years from now. And we're, I don't think we're anywhere close to having Taco Bell be all the restaurants you see around here. So if you go to a Starbucks, it's actually Taco Bell. Or you go to, like, a Pizza Hut, it's Taco Bell. Or even McDonald's, it's Taco Bell. I don't think we're near that. Or having food in so small of portions. Nor right, are right, we right. in any sort of form where instead of having actual songs, we have wall-to-wall mini-tunes that are called commercials back in our time this is it's sort of like say technically we we are in the future like say yeah. if you go back right we're living in the future that the past was imagined but it's yeah. not 
it's not the future that the past was imagining. We live in this kind of sorry. It's yeah. a kind. It's sort of a sad. You know, our our robot. It's you know yeah, a it, recording it, a device or it's a you know handheld computer internet. Yeah. Uh, and what's funny about it, Moss, is there are some technologies that are actually now, if you really look at it, now being done now. Like I mean, we're close to getting self-driven cars yeah. with Tesla, for example. But we do have the fiber optic, FaceTime, and Skype around now for technology nowadays. That is something that they did think about in the 90s. Okay, I've got one for you. How about, like, it was it was a couple of years ago, and we were talking about, remember, it was going, it was that, uh, was it, uh, artificial intelligence was going to hit this point where it was just going to take over. Yeah, that was, like, 19 years ago. What, what was the term again? It was, it was I think like it was, this, like, Y2K was the whole... No, 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 no. No, it, not that one? No, no, no that, that's earlier. I'm talking about... Um, uh, it, it's sort of like I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the term. It's exactly. artificial intelligence, and it becomes conscious, right? Yeah, actually, like we've been kind of getting close to that a little bit with like items like Siri or all of the other Google-like devices, like Google and Alexa. They've been kind of close to that, but then again, we've also had Honda and Toyota and all these other companies like Mitsubishi making uh, robotic images as well, like like. Like animatronic robots as well that have actually been able to oh. move. Like, oh. well, and two robots do exist in factories. They do, yes. Like they are. It's it is there. It is happening. It is happening, and that is something that is also kind of true. But I mean, like the actual ones you'd kind of see in movies, like iRobot, they're starting to become almost a real thing as well. Going to the theater, and uh, I'm just thinking of one theater that yeah. has completely gotten rid of its uh, cashiers, and it's just self serve. Really? Seriously? Yeah. Which theater is that, if you don't uh, want to ask? Metrotown. Silver City. Cineplex over at Metrotown has done like a completely, eh? Wow. Yeah, they I phased out the... Uh, they phased out all the... But... But, wow. but... they have somebody to help out who goes to the various uh, tills oh, and helps okay. out the people. I thought they still had a few tills there anyways. I thought they... Pretty sure it's gone. But they might have, say, an emergency till. Okay, because I noticed they still... Like, when the last time I was there... They still had a few. Right, right. But this is maybe like last year, the year before. The robots have taken over. They kind of have a little bit with jobs. <laughs> but with uh, going back to Demolition Man, I was going to say there is one thing that I've been very curious about. Technically, Sandra Bullock did give an answer to it, but it felt very not real. Sure. The three seashells. That's one thing that I've kind of been... Refresh taking. my memory. This is like in the movie in Demolition Man, which is also... A bit of a very funny, very stupid '90s film. If you ever, yeah, yeah. if you ever do get the chance to, listeners, <laughs> please watch the movie. You might enjoy it for its funniness about it because it does have, like, because there's parts where it's like everyone can't, is like, everyone's completely PC. You can't swear. You can't have bad, like, yeah, you can't have red meat, alcohol, contact sports, all this crazy stuff. You can't swear at all. So there's like the language violation costing credits out I guess there's an item that's been sewn into your skin but the other thing is there's a part in the movie where I guess John like uh, John Spartan Stallone's character goes into the washroom and comes back I guess doesn't even think about washing his hands or whatever but he uh, goes to Lieutenant Huxley Senator Bullock's character and says they're out of toilet paper and Benjamin Bratt's character is like you say toilet paper and she has to explain they used handfuls of wadded tissues back in the 20th and out of nowhere Rob Schneider is just there and he's just having a 
guffaw fest and say like and someone is like i'm happy that you're happy but you know the place where you're supposed to have the toilet paper you got this little shelf three seashells on it and he says he doesn't know how to use the three seashells and that becomes the most re- like i guess a reoccurring joke in the movie and it became such a odd phenomenon for right. the longest time and it still is like did, the, but did they ever explain the three no they didn't really shells? and Bull kind of gave a bit of a cop out answer saying it's like a bidet and I'm like how is it like a bidet they don't really explain it in the movie it would be nice to see them kind of explain it in the movie or something because at the end they do even have still don't ask how do these damn three seashells even work this reminds me of Russell T. Davis's uh you know, take, retake on yeah. Doctor Who. And there was, I was just thinking about this the other day, how great it would be to, like, their future vision of, it would, what is it, you could, you could get um, a modification, right? Yeah. So that uh, you, um, I, it, anyways, going to the washroom, it was, it was frozen or something and reduced. Yeah. And it was like, you know, you didn't have to clean up, basically. Yeah, that'd be an interesting sort of idea to have. Like, I mean, <laughs> Doctor Who has never really shown that in the like in the TV shows, but that'd be an interesting sort of thing to see them come out of the TARDIS in one spot and it's like, oh, I had to use the restroom. And it's, and then maybe have the Doctor say, that wasn't the restroom. But, but you That know, would be a bit of a, a clever joke to do. Yeah. It's starting to become one of those things that they kind of get away with now. And, and, and two, that, that's... Uh, it's something actually I saw on Twitter that popped up yeah. and uh, a writer said this is amazing and it was this whole tweet it was this whole resource of mm. uh, from an astronaut about what it's actually like using the restroom yeah to use uh, to go to bathroom washroom restroom uh, in space oh my yeah and uh, it, it was just like you know right excellent now I yeah. know I've seen that a little bit I've seen how they kind of do use some of the items for it and I'm like okay makes sense yeah yeah. Makes sense, makes sense. Okay, that's what they do. And at the end of the day, that's one of those things that you never really do get to ex- see explained in science fiction terminology. You never really see that. You don't ever see someone like kind of using the restroom as a joke as, in some science fiction things. Because I think they just gotten past that joke. But I mean, heck, we could probably see that happen again one of these days in just a random movie and see, or it's, so. It's it's interesting. I was you know just even yeah. in, in fiction that it gets shoved aside, but. When you get into hard fiction, though, it seems to become sort of like these questions pop up. It's like, what yeah, are we, like you know, how, that's the good thing about science fiction because I feel like with science fiction, you kind of cross mix certain things, and that's what I think I like about science, like certain things in science fiction because you could have a sci-fi, science fiction western or a comedy or anything, and it can be great. I mean, realistically, if you think about it, there's always going to be a sci- like science fiction is always going to have drama. It's mm, always going to have action. Yeah. It's always going to be an adventure, but it could be a Western comedy, horror, or whatever it could be. And it's never going to... I think it's just... For the past, I would have to realistically say 70 plus years, even 80 plus, since the 1940s to now. I don't think we're ever going to see a time when science fiction is gone, really. Because I feel like by the time we're here, like oh yeah, humans are still around. It might even go into a different like it might become classical fiction that they start to do like instead of sci-fi they might just do a a rewrite of what's gone on in the past so it's still sci-fi but it might just be more like historical fiction because that has now become a bit of a popular thing to kind of play with now yeah go back to the old sci-fi yeah Yeah. go back to the old days like i mean westworld 
is one solid example that I could think of. Oh, the movie and the TV series. Oh, I love that. The movie was great, and I liked the idea that they used robots and instead of like like uh, human sentient beings instead, because honestly, you can kind of get away with a little bit of like, a, okay, something's kind of not right here. Sort of uncanny valley a little bit with certain things with Westworld, and that's what I liked about it, especially the TV series. They did yeah, that a little yeah. bit too. Yeah, and and. The- what I liked about the the TV series is that say they expanded, they explored. Yeah, um, there was more philosophy in the TV show mm-hmm. versus the movie. And to I'd have to go back and see the movie, but uh, I don't remember. And to maybe when I first saw the movie, you know, I was just at the age where I just didn't get the philosophy. I'll have to go back and take. a I look. might have to as well, Moss. Like I mean, it's a good series for the fact that one, it kind of like, goes in a in a, a really weird twisted direction, and I like when things can kind of go that route there have been many things that i've seen that have kind of played on that sort of westworld sort of idea doctor who is also a solid idea that's kind of like westworld in some ways where it does play with the historical accuracies and fiction like i mean Hmm. if you remember that one episode of doctor who with uh matt smith and vincent van gogh and his companions like he does bring him back to the Van Gogh Museum exhibit. I think it was in Amsterdam that they were in, or were they in yeah. London? I can't remember where they went. I'm pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's in Amsterdam. Yeah, they took. I think they took them to Amsterdam for the exhibit. I yeah. can't remember if they went there or if they went to New York for some reason. I feel like they may have gone to London or something. I can't remember exactly. But well, was, and two, I, I actually have gone to Amsterdam. I've gone to the museum, the, the Van Gogh. So there is some. It, there is one in Amsterdam. Yeah, that is true. And I honestly would like to see some sort of like exhibit like that almost out here just to see what people may think because I mean there are a few art galleries around that would probably love to have that exhibit or even a small little hint of that exhibit yeah. in Metro Vancouver just for a little bit of time well and so, yeah they do travel so it is yeah. possible to, uh, to have that happen there totally. is a lot of things that can be uh, moved on in that oh, sense and, and before we end uh, just to mention that say Vancouver where we are yeah. uh, the lower mainland there's, there's so many shows and films that have been shot here and the X-Files is one I can think of sure, right off the bat yeah. X-Men has also been filmed around here um, what else was filmed around here that I know so of the, the most superhero flicks or not there's, flicks TV shows oh yes Arrow is one The Flash Legends of Tomorrow there's been a lot of things that have been filmed around here that have taken Smallville. advantage Smallville is definitely a solid example and I actually I remember even mentioning that earlier how it was like how they used like Sleuther and this is also like I said going back to the science fiction detail oh yeah and um, what's great about it is that you can kind of play around with it you don't have to when it comes to movies or TV shows you don't have to build a set to actually do that like, you don't have to build a set to make the that's a good point you could use even once upon a time that TV series on ABC even though that's not science fiction but it's just an example you used a lot of the old areas around Metro Vancouver even in Steveson the area of Richmond they used areas like that just to get the, um, some of the ideas down to a science like you don't have to build a fancy set sometimes you can with certain films I mean heck we even look at TV or even older movies from the 80s like uh, Weird Science or uh What's the other one that Steven Spielberg did? Not uh, not E.T., but the other one. Uh, and Steven Spielberg did it. Yeah, it was, I think, something of the third kind. Like Yeah, yeah, Close Encounters. That's it. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Because some of those movies didn't actually use a set. They actually used, like, an actual house or whatever it could be yeah, yeah, for yeah. science fiction. Yeah. And that's what I was also thinking about, the accuracies of some of these films, like E.T. and 
close encounters and whatnot. Because sometimes, if you look at them, they're not really super accurate, but they're still a classic to just kind of watch nowadays. Heck, like, even when it comes to 80s science fiction, if you look at the Terminator series, that series has been going on for nearly 30-plus years, and it's... It still it has its own inaccuracies within itself, but when it first started, it yeah. was set in 1984, and then decided to go into the 90s, and then the early 2000s, they had it again, but they didn't go too far off the off to the future. The only one that did that was uh, Terminator Salvation. I, I remember seeing the, it was the Terminator movie that actually, it was a tragedy. That it, it ended like see the, yeah, the that plot might've... was they succeeded, but yeah, yeah, that might have been salvation possibly the one that was let, set in the future. Let's maybe? leave it unsure so that we don't yeah. destroy the yeah. Uh, the we don't want to destroy the canon or anything like that. <laughs> but speaking of that canon, it looks like they've kind of retconned it again. Yeah, they've done this now three times. Well, and see, I think that this is is to raise money for Avatar. I think oh, I, see, I see a lot of stuff happening just. Because of James Cameron and Avatar 2, do you think? It feels like that, yeah. It's like Honestly, those... I could see that movie being in a bit what of an did, inaccuracy. What did you think of Avatar? Because I didn't really, really... I thought it was okay, but... For being one of the most highest-selling movies, I was like, I don't care how much it made. I'm glad it made money. I'm, I didn't really enjoy it at first when I first saw it. I thought... Is it about going back and seeing it again? If I was to go back and see it again, I'd probably... I, when I first saw it, I just was like, whatever about it. The second time, I thought, yeah. okay. Third time, I enjoyed it somewhat. I didn't enjoy the ego that I think that James Cameron kind of got off of it. Because he basically just allowed any of his properties to just in some ways sit and collect dust with certain companies that he had no control over. Now it looks like he does get the rights back to his original pride and joy, which is the Terminator series. The, the franchise. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of which, on certain movies like that, I was just thinking about um, John Carpenter's films, like The Thing, yeah, yeah. or even um, Escape from New York, which... Gosh, they live... They live was also was that, going... Was that him? That was him, that was him as, as well as well, Christine, yeah. The oh. Fog... Yeah. Mouth of Madness. That was also was him. That? Oh my gosh. Dark, wow. Dark Star. Right, right. Um, Santiago, Halloween. The thing I like about him is that he'll have these moments where he goes somewhere yeah. unexpected, imaginative. Almost oh, definitely. And what's even yeah. more funny is he'll sometimes use the same people over and over and over. Oh, okay. Okay. Halloween was one solid example because no one, I don't think anyone really knows this, but if anyone ever does intend to watch the first Escape from New York the Escape from New York film yeah, don't yeah. watch Escape from LA please <laughs> do yourself a big favor if you really want to watch it go ahead but watch Escape from New York first yeah yeah you should do that yeah. the movie starts with a little bit of a spoken dialogue from Jamie Lee Curtis hey that is the there's a crossover there's a little bit of a simple crossover there the yeah. Scream Queen herself is being used in a non screaming sort of term and it's right. different Right. At least, because I didn't think they would do that. But when I heard this for the first time, I was like, "Whoa, really?" But the reason why I was mentioning that is because it's also a science fiction film that is set in such a really weird idea. And it's like, I think they said in 1984, the United States crime rate spikes so exponentially that they decide to create their own. Like the United States has decided to make something similar to the RCMP in Canada, the United States Police Force, but uh, instead of being one that's 
more or less protecting everyone. They're more or less become totalitarian, almost like a 1984 night, like uh, gone wrong in a sense, where if you do any of these certain things, you are sent to Manhattan Island. Right. And it is separated from the rest of the states. Like, it is like the United States Police Force is like an army that's encamped around all of Manhattan. And all of the bridges and even the rivers are mined. So so once you leave, you don't get to leave. But what's funny is that there is technically one person that gets to leave in some ways. Snake Plissken, the protagonist of the film, played by uh, Kurt Russell. And what's funny about him, I hate to go into details on this movie, but basically what he does, he's being asked, because he was robbing the... Federal Reserve in Colorado he's been given a life sentence in New York's maximum security penitentiary he's being asked by uh, Bob Houck the United States Police Forces Commissioner to go into New York to save the president because his plane was hijacked and what happened is it crashes he escapes in an escape pod but he has some uh, items that he needs to send to like was delivering to a uh, summit between himself right. the United like the United, USSR and China they were doing a whole summit I guess about nuclear fusion or something like that but when he finds out that he's been like, they find out he's okay they send in Snake Plissken who only has 22 hours to get him back before the summit is over and, and it's that why 24 hours? because he has a device that's been uh, implanted in his uh, neck to, yeah devices exactly yeah. that oh is it a bomb I yeah, it's like it's a bomb or it's like whatever they Poison. plant like two capsules that once they uh burst there'll be like a pinhead that will open both of his arteries in his neck and he'll be dead in seconds okay there we go yeah so at no more Hartford summit no more snake plissken and they do the same idea in the second one but the second one we don't talk about that one's more just a, that's for fun that's a fun if you really want to watch <laughs> it that's a rehash of new york i'm not going to spoil it for people but i will say it's with new york there were yeah. some good moments like you have lee van cleef as bob hauck the commissioner you have isaac hayes as the duke the duke of new york a number one you even have ernest borgnine as cabbie i gotta go back and see that because I, I i i've watched it quite a couple of I times moss and the reason why i'm mentioning it is because of uh well just the fact that we are getting some more content from John Carpenter, not to mention like he's also, besides doing directing and producing all these other things, like writing some of these movies, yeah. he's also been doing a lot of his own music for a lot I of these movies as well. just going to say that, yeah. He's quite a talented musician, and honestly, this is something I kind of wish would be more of a big thing, like a bit of a renaissance person. I'd like to see more of these from many, like more uh, directors, but... There aren't many that do that. There are a few that are out there. Like, uh, they don't really do sci-fi, but I would say maybe Robert Rodriguez or Quentin Tarantino, for example. They are kind of renaissance in that sense where they'll direct, produce, and write their own films. But Rodriguez is like Carpenter where he also produces his own music for it as well. Oh, I did. I, and two, I knew that he was a, um, uh, I think, a guerrilla filmmaker. Yeah, he was, was a very, he was definitely a renaissance man in that sense as well. Right, right, right. Because yeah. he's done his own music for every single film he's done, with the exception of, say, maybe El Mariachi. Tarantino's Star Trek, what do you think? Oh, on the Star Trek Tarantino film? I'm very curious on what he will do with it if he does actually confirm to make it. Like, yeah. he's been saying he'll do it. This will be his last project if he does do it, which will be a little saddening for me. You know what I what I would be... What, sorry, for me yeah. what would be cool is original Star Trek, mm-hmm. right? That style 
right? That would be very interesting. Done Tarantino, so it would be like a lot of fake blood and stuff and Klingon, you know. It'd probably almost be very similar to Galaxy Quest if it was R-rated, I'm thinking. It's probably going to be something like that, which is also yeah. a good 90s yeah. sci-fi film. If yeah. you're interested in watching a Star Trek film that isn't Star Trek exactly, right. watch Galaxy's Quest, ladies and gentlemen. With that is 60s tunology. Yeah. Have yeah, you, I just thought at least uh, we're closing in on the. Uh, yeah, we're <laughs> we're closing in on the sixty minutes, and I thought to keep an eye on this clock here because it is saying that we've been talking for a good solid hour. But you know what? That's okay. If we do need to moss, we can do this again. No, oh, yeah, no. I, I I mean, this is just one segment here, ladies time, and gentlemen. Yeah. Like this is just us discussing this, and I mean, if myself and Moss are at other conventions, we might kind of cross podcast each other we might do one where it's he's got his side of the story and i got my side of the story if we do sure, need sure. to one of these days that's, we that's might so do fun. an idea of that sort uh just just ending up we've got to do uh 2001 a space odyssey yes um, the 50 year anniversary i think just passed last year i think and that that is one that was say um it is for me it's interesting because i can remember as a kid just sort of taking it in mm-hmm. and not really imposing the questions on it. I remember, mm-hmm. say, it seemed like the adults were more imposing the questions, whereas, and then growing up with it, rewatching it, you know, and have, spending these moments. I'm with afraid it, I can't do that, David. That, you know what? Like you mentioned with AI, that is yeah. one movie that Kubrick did well, and honestly, I just kind of wish he was still alive to have done. Right. The movie AI, Artificial Intelligence. Did Spielberg took over? He took over for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kubrick died so during different. Eyes Wide Shut, and I yeah. can say that as well as a few other movies like um, A Clockwork Orange. I, I wouldn't say sci-fi per se, but it is very dystopic, just like a 1984's uh, George Orwell's book. Like, and I think people have been trying to make that movie for a long time, and I mean, there's other science fiction things that... Even though we're running out of time on, we could probably just talk about for ages. But you know no, what? No, 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 no. Let's like let's if we start, have to. Yeah. We, like uh, another one I'd maybe mention just for the thought of it is uh, for sci-fi. I would kind of yeah. say another one is V for Vendetta. That oh, was a good. That was a good science fiction film. I would maybe mention this one film series that we'll talk about for another time if we want to do a, a retrospective so, on it. So, how would you say it's a science fiction? Would you say it's more sort of dystopic? Dystopic in that sense, and it also has a totalitarian regime yeah. that is very similar to 1984. But the reason why I was mentioning that, ladies and gentlemen, is because maybe, just maybe, if me and Moss get a chance to soon enough, if we do another one of these discussions. We'll talk about. We'll try and do a proper retrospective on a twenty-year-old film starring Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, and Hugo Weaving. That it, film would be. It would be interesting to do a lot of sort of uh, connections, like yeah. what what fed into it and what has come out of it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And to the return because it's uh, they're going to do another one. Now. Yeah, and that movie would be The Matrix. But I my I, sorry, I got to get yeah. this in there in the last minute. My interest, I would love for the for the trans actor that was in Sense Eight, yes, to to be the lead in the new Matrix. That would be great, and, if- and that we get this sort of cutting edge because that's close to uh, I think both of the director's hearts yeah right that now. would be great yeah and that would um, definitely be great Moss and you know what before we before we wrap up ride that wave yeah before we finish that wave up we might I'm gonna do another retrospective soon but this is gonna be that'll be for 
the Matrix story idea will be for a different time. But before we leave off, Moss, yeah, would you like to have anyone like know where you can find your podcast? Oh, okay. Well, my podcast, that's like the name of it, right. sort of story in mind. And story in mind. Yeah, story in mind. It's 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 on Anchor, but it's distributed all over. Okay. And but that that podcast is about storytelling, writing, uh, psychology. Uh, let's is anything else? And uh, it, it's different, say, than this, where it's it's like not conversation. But anyways, yeah. But thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I thought at least having another guest on this show, we might get more soon enough. But if you are listening, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to Midnight Moving Confessions. So long for now. End transmission.